Democrat presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren is now saying she was fired from her first job by genocidal white males who didn't want a pregnant transgender homosexual to bring another Native American into the world. At a speech before the National Association of Outrageous Panders, Warren said, quote, In those days, people just assumed if you were married and pregnant, you must be a woman. And so at first, my employers were happy for me and threw me a big party where I was given many presents, including a plush solar system mobile that spun around to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. But when I announced that I identified as a man and was only sleeping with my husband because I was homosexual, the work atmosphere began to darken. Then when I went to my employers and explained that my child would be Native American and that therefore they had to turn over their houses to him because the white man had burned the village where my mama and papa had their teepee, their whole attitude changed. I began to suspect I was a victim of discrimination when two security guards grabbed me under the arms and carried me off the premises, throwing the solar system mobile after me so that I lay sprawled in the parking lot tangled up in plush toy planets playing a tinkly tune. That's the way men of color with vaginas used to be treated in this country. So I dedicated my life to bringing about change for spectacularly privileged white women who chose to stay home with their children while their husbands supported them and then gamed their ways into elite universities by pretending to be oppressed minorities. And today, it's possible one of them could become president. Unquote. CNN responded to Warren's speech by staging a 17-hour town hall celebrating mentally ill parents who dress their white six-year-old sons as Indian women so the boys can grow up to be tolerant adults who hang themselves. <laughs> Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. Hey, the new episode of Another Kingdom is out now for everybody. This is a particularly great episode. And this story, I promise you, it gets better and better by the time you're in the middle of it. It is one of the best things I've done. And I think it really illuminates all the other stories. So get on the horn and start listening to it. You have got to hand it to the Democrats. They learn, they learn from their mistakes. They tried to accuse the president of the sort of Russian election collusion Hillary Clinton actually committed. But even though the media backed them every step of the way, we could all see it was a hoax and Trump was innocent. They tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh with completely unsubstantiated sex charges. But even though the media threw away every journalistic standard to make the charges stick, we could all see there was zero evidence and the Republicans found the spine to face the liars down. So now, as DOJ investigators seem to be ready to expose Barack Obama's misuse of intelligence agencies to spy on opposition candidate Trump, and as the media and their Democrats are desperate to cover those revelations up, here they go again. And this time, they think they've got the process fixed. See, with the Russia hoax and the Kavanaugh character assassination, they had anonymous anti-Trump and anti-Kavanaugh sources whispering semi-truths and falsehoods to the press. That was good. They had women making up totally unbelievable stories about being raped by Kavanaugh. That was good. They had a press dutifully repeating any anti-Trump or anti-Kavanaugh fantasy as if it were completely believable. Excellent. They had the original Obamagate conspirators like James Comey, James Clapper, and John Brennan bloviating about Trump committing treason and being a Russian spy. Very, very nice. They even had women coming forward to tell stories about how they'd once been molested by someone totally other than Kavanaugh, as if that were evidence against Kavanaugh. What could be better? So what went wrong? They had it all. Oh, yeah. Us. We could see they were lying. 
we could see the press was acting as a Democrat anti-Trump ventriloquist dummy. We could see the whole thing was a shameful attempt at a coup that posed a greater threat to our republic and its democratic systems than anything the president has ever thought about doing. So they fixed it. This time, we won't see. This time, their so-called impeachment inquiry will take place behind closed doors. They'll leak those parts they want the press to report, and the press will report them, and that way, they'll remove the big problem. Us. Openness. The truth. They'll remove all those from the process altogether. Here's McCarthyite Congressman Adam Schiff explaining this dirty deal away. There's a reason why investigations and grand jury proceedings, for example, and I think this is analogous to a grand jury proceeding, are done out of the public view initially. Now, we may very well call some of the same witnesses or all the same witnesses in public hearings as well. But we want to make sure that we meet the needs of the investigation uh, and not give uh, the president or his uh, legal minions uh, the opportunity to tailor their testimony and, in, in some cases, fabricate uh, testimony to suit their interests. Yeah, Smeagol. It's like a grand jury, he says. It's analogous to a grand jury, which is a criminal investigation and therefore secret, as opposed to an impeachment, which is a political process and should therefore be right out in the open for all of us to see. And, oh, those Trump legal minions he's talking about, those are the president's lawyers. How'd you like it if you were charged with something but were not allowed to hire your legal minions? Oh, and by the way, if Trump should try to fight back by speaking directly to we the people, by pointing out, say, that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and his possibly corrupt dealings with foreign governments may be the real problem, they've got that covered, too. Here's make-believe journalist Chuck Todd explaining it all. The president went further than he's ever gone before. So we're going to further, we are going further than we've ever gone before to say we aren't going to play the sound. We aren't going to repeat the president's vicious attacks on Hunter Biden. The president of the United States stood in front of a crowd of supporters and character assassinated a man. Whatever you might think of his decisions, he's not a public figure, he isn't running for office, and he's not a campaign surrogate. He's not even on the campaign trail. And he isn't in any way asking for this attention, obviously. Look, we are going to tell you that the president's attack on Hunter Biden is remarkable and it's newsworthy. But we can't in good conscience amplify those attacks. So we won't. We will simply tell you that it happened and it seemed to cross a line. So we're going to explain to you that the president is a bad person, orange man bad. But when he actually says something, they're not going to let you see it. They're not going to let you hear what he says, just like they won't let you see evidence against climate catastrophe. I, for one, feel so much safer knowing Chuck Todd, our insect news overlord, is protecting me from hearing the news. So this is it. The new revised Get Trump Democrat plan. Schiff acts in secret and the media silences the president of the United States. What could possibly go wrong? Only you, only the voters, only honest investigators within the DOJ getting at the truth about Obamagate. The only thing standing between power and the Democrats is America. We'll talk more about that and about Turkey and about lots of things. But first, do you want to look like Michael Knowles? Of course you do. Everybody wants to look like Michael Knowles. I mean, how much more beautiful could you get? And that's because he used the Candid Co system for straightening his teeth. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you've done. 
Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. Candid ships your aligners directly to you, so there's no hassle. You don't have to go to an orthodontist's office. And Candid costs 65% less than braces. And with each aligner purchase, Candid donates 25 bucks to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. Get your photo-ready smile by the holidays until you, too, look like Michael Knowles. Go to Candid co.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin to get 75 bucks off. That's candidco.com slash Clavin, code Clavin for $75 off. Candidco.com slash Clavin, code Clavin. You will look absolutely beautiful when you say, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So last week when Trump pulled our soldiers back uh, in on the from the Turkish border in Syria, I said I thought he had made a mistake. I'm afraid that uh, ISIS will rise again. I'm afraid that the Russians will move in. I'm afraid that Turkey will mistreat our former Kurdish allies. All those things are, are happening. And now Trump has announced a full U.S. withdrawal from Syria. So I've decided to bring on Michael Duran to explain why all of this is absolutely great. Michael is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. He specializes in Middle East security issues. Uh, he was part of the George W. Bush administration serving in the White House as senior director in the National Security Council. He is also just a smart guy who wrote a terrific piece for the Wall Street Journal explaining why you think our, our beleaguered uh, and attacked president is actually doing the right thing. How you doing, Mike? It's good to see you. I'm doing well, thanks. Good to see you. Well, thank you for coming on. Explain the theory of why Trump is doing what's right. Well, the, the key, I think, to understand here is that we have been postured for failure in Syria uh, from the beginning because we uh, aligned with a splinter group, an extremist splinter element of a minority group in, in Syria. That is, we aligned with the PKK, who are separate, Kurdish separatists in Turkey. And this is the Syrian extension of them. We, we, they call themselves the YPG, but the YPG is the Syrian offshoot of the PKK. So, so when Erdogan says we are supporting people who are supporting terrorism within his country, he is right. He's 100% correct. Uh, okay. And, and we have... We, we papered over this. And by the way, we knew this, too. Uh, but we, we, we did a kind of rebranding of the YPG to call it the Syrian Democratic Forces. Uh, but we knew exactly what we were doing. Uh, but we thought that since it's the other side of the border and since we're there, uh, the Turks will, will, will be OK with it or they'll make their peace with it. Well, they've been seething about this uh, from the very beginning. They've been saying, don't do it. And it's not just that we went in with this little splinter organization. We actually built it up beyond its wildest, wildest dreams. So it's taken over much, not just the, the, the Kurdish territories in, in northern Syria, but a much larger swath of territory. So when the Turks look down at Syria now, they see uh, uh, a, a uh, Kurdish separatist statelet allied with the, with the uh, Kurds who want to separate, uh, who want to partition Turkey between Turks and Kurds. Um, and now it has international legitimacy and it has the support of the United States, Turkey's the greatest power on earth and Turkey's closest ally. So it, 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 it's crazy. All right. So, so he pulls out, Turkey goes in and they're killing some of these Kurds. Uh, and, and some of the ISIS fighters that the Kurds were apparently guarding have escaped. Not, not a, a lot of, I mean, hundreds of them, but not thousands of them that are there. Are we not afraid that ISIS is going to rise up again? I mean, isn't that why we allied with the Kurds in the first place? Well, I'm 
first of all, I'm I'm skeptical of all these reports. I'm not okay. saying that I know that I know different and know better, but there's an enormous amount of propaganda flying around out there. The one thing we do know is that uh, there isn't the kind of slaughter going on that we expected. Obviously, uh, uh, some people have died, and some people have died in horrific, horrifically. There's no doubt about that. But it isn't. You know, we don't have uh, the Turks besieging uh, uh, civilian populations and shooting indiscriminately into them or anything like that at all. Uh, as for the ISIS prisoners, I uh, I uh, I don't know what's 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 going on with them, but I think that you know you may have saw the president himself tweeted and said, well, actually the the uh, the YPG might be uh, uh, might be saying that they that the ISIS prisoners have gotten out in order to bring us back in and to get support from us. Um, one of the things about the YPG is that it is uh, historically it has been aligned with the Iranians and Assad. And it has it has continued to have co contacts with them, close contacts with them, uh, including giving the Assad forces a place in Kamishli. It's a town in the east. Um, uh, they they run the the, the Syrian regime runs uh, airplanes from Damascus to Kamishli all the time, and then he uses that to hold positions in the east of the country. So they're playing both sides here. Okay, but but if if the the caliphate, the ISIS caliphate, reemerges as it did when Obama pulled out and Lindsey Graham was going crazy and Lindsey Graham is going a little crazy now. If the guys, will you then say, oh, this was a mistake or will you say, well, we just have to go back in or? No, I will say that uh, I would start from the position that we were postured incorrectly from the beginning, that uh -huh. this was, that it was inevitable that the Turks were gonna go in. This intervention by Turkey is the most predictable event that I have ever seen in my life. And I predicted it uh, 18 months ago. So. Uh, the, the, to set ourselves up like that so that we are building up the sworn enemy of the, uh, of the Turks was a losing position to begin with. Mm. So we have, to, we have to stabilize northern Syria through our ally, Turkey. That is the right way to do it. So what, what, once if, 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 there, if a problem arises after this, we should solve it in coordination with the Turks. So Turkey is our ally. They're part of NATO in theory, but we don't like them much. I mean, Erdogan is kind of a thug. And they go, if, people, if they're beheading people in, in uh, Syria, it's not really the way NATO people are supposed to act. I mean, they're not supposed to go in and behead people. And, you know. Look, look it, this is war, uh, and people do nasty things in war. Americans do nasty things in war. I don't want to justify what, what, the, what the Turks are doing. But uh, but this is this is an operation by and large by a disciplined military, and uh, you know Erdogan has a uh, has some nasty sides for sure. But I, I my standards I, I study the Middle East by by Middle Eastern standards he is um, uh, he is as good as it gets. So I, I we, uh, we we go through these moral panics uh, every couple of years. You know there were there were protests in Egypt and we went into a moral panic. Mubarak has to go. Mubarak is a thug. Mubarak is a dictator. Can anyone seriously look at Egypt today and say that the regime in Egypt today is um, is more democratic? Mm -hmm. Is uh, you know is are, are there fewer people in dungeons in Egypt as a result of our of of the of of the the regime change policy that we carried out and which ended up you know in having a lot of turmoil in in Egypt and a lot of people died. So I think we have to take a deep breath and we have to work with what actually exists there. And by Middle Eastern standards, Turkey is fantastic. So what about what about the Russians? I mean, Trump actually said, let the Russians deal with it. Now the Kurds say, well, we're making deals with the Russians. So now Erdogan has the Russians and the Kurds on his border. 
as opposed to us, that well, sa- sounds is, kind of dangerous. No, this is what I'm worried about. That, okay. is that, they, that we have so alienated the Turks by building up the, the, the by building up the PKK on their border that they are now thinking about kind of switching sides uh-huh. uh, and 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 moving into the uh, Russian <laughs> orbit and solving their security problems in Syria in coordination with the Russians rather than with the Americans. See, what we want to be is the, the is the trusted interlocutor with the Turks about their security problem, and we want them to solve their security problems under our umbrella and not under the Russian umbrella. And what they seem to be thinking about now, they they have basically just kicked us out. You know, they they argued with us about this uh, PKK thing for years. We didn't listen, and they said to hell with it, and they've kicked us out. And now they're going to move, and they're going to start uh, uh, they're going to start talking much more closely with the regime and the and and the Russians. I think this is very bad for us. If we, were, Trump is talking about dropping enormous sanctions on the Turks. Now maybe it will go exactly like everyone is dreaming and we'll, we'll, we'll sanction the Turks and Erdogan will say, uncle, you were right, I was wrong and uh, please forgive me. But he has other options. He might say, I'm gonna team up with the Russians and the Iranians and I'm gonna drive you out of the Middle East. We, the, all these guys who are going around saying, Turkey's not an ally, Turkey's not an ally. They have not seen a hostile Turkey. Turkey is a is a powerful country, and it's a real country unlike Iraq and Syria. It has a sense of itself, of national purpose. The majority, the vast majority of Turks are behind Erdogan in this. Now, he has a, an approval rating in general of about 40%, but he has an overwhelming support of his population for this operation. I think we should tread very carefully. So your, your vision is that we team with Erdogan or with the Turks to fight a resurgent ISIS in Syria. That's your idea of how we should do this? If, if there is a resurgent ISIS, I mean, I'm, no. uh, I, this is, to me, this is a, look, we had the, the, our military operators were in there, these thousand guys, these are special forces guys. They, they went in there under a theory of American foreign policy that, that our primary goal in the region is to fight radical Islam. That's the, that became America's number one strategic uh, uh, goal. I have never agreed with that. I think our number one strategic goal is to contain Iran. This is a, a country that's about to get a nuclear bomb that's, that is spreading militias all over the region and arming them with precision drones and, and, and missiles. That is a real strategic threat that we have, that we have to deal with. Hmm. 20,000 nasty guys with pickup trucks. They're very ugly. But the, a, a serious military like the United States, if it has to, can go in and take care of that problem relatively easily. Now, we didn't want to send guys in, so that's why we went up with, went in with the PKK. But, uh, um, but, but I, I don't see that as a great strategic problem. The most important thing is to get ourselves postured so that we can actually take care of our serious, uh, our serious um, rival in the region, which is Iran. Wow. That's, I, I really have to, I have to meditate on that. That's a pretty uh, big difference between the way, even the way the argument is going on either side. Obviously, the argument is political, uh, but you're saying something really different, but uh, obviously very informed. What do you think is going to happen now from where we well, are right now? It all depends on whether we drop these massive sanctions. The president is talking about, you know, shutting down the Turkish economy. 
Um, and if he and, and there's this great we're in a moral panic again right now. I mean, Lindsey Graham and uh, uh, and Nancy Pelosi are uh, having kumbaya over sanctioning Turkey. And uh, this doesn't make any sense to me, uh, because what are we what are we going to ask of them? That they just be nicer to us, that they get out of Syria. If they get out of Syria, then what are we going to put in place there? I, I, I don't I don't see anyone thinking through what's the overarching goal. What's the next step? And what happens if we lose, if we seriously lose Turkey? I mean, we, we have military bases there. We have intelligence platforms. We have the ability to stop the Russians through the Bosporus if we want. We have Black Sea security. This is a big country on the, uh, you know, on the border between Asia and Europe. Uh, and it's been our ally for so long, we forgot why it's so important to have it. Do you, I, I got I to let you go in a minute, but I just want to ask you, do you think Trump is thinking about any of this? I do. I do think I see lots of signs that he's thinking about this. I don't think he's done a particularly good job of uh, of conveying uh, to the public the, the what's at stake here mm. uh, and, 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 and what the larger strategic issues are. And I think uh, some other as- some other elements in the in the government have really fallen down here. I think, for, for example, the military, um, the, the, you would expect the military to think about the kinds of things that I'm talking about and, and would to 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 ditch a relationship that we've had for, for, you know, since the early 1950s. I mean, the Turks fought with us in Korea. They fought with us in Afghanistan and Bosnia. They're in with, they're with us in Afghanistan now to ditch a relationship with a major state like this, a stable state in this region that's so unstable. This is Europe's border with, a, with, the, with the Middle East. To ditch a relationship with that state in order to have a relationship with a splinter extremist group of Kurds who couldn't even stand up to the Turkish army for a day. Does this, like, from, from, a, from a strategic point of view, does this make any sense? Hmm. I, I understand the humanitarian concerns that people have, but we should solve those humanitarian concerns within a framework of working with the Turks, not working with these guys, who, by the way, are not Democrats either. I mean, no, they, are, I they want total control over the Kurdish area, and they have driven out into Turkey Kurds who are not PKK. Mike, I got to go, but uh, that was really interesting. I hope you'll come back and talk about this more as the situation develops. I really appreciate it. Nothing I love more. And <laughs> it's great to be on the show. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Michael Thank Duran you. of the Hoover Institute. I've lost my, my page. Um, but uh, really, that was really different and not what you hear other places. Let us talk about Brickhouse. You know, they're always telling you, you got to eat all this fruit, you got to eat vegetables and all this. But I, I don't know about you, but it's very hard to work that into your day. A lot of Americans, you look around, they're sick, they're unhealthy, they're overweight. The team, they, Brickhouse Nutrition has a team of on-staff physicians that have created something they call Field of Greens. Field of Greens is an easy way for you to add fruits and vegetables to your daily routine without spending hours in the produce section, hiring a home chef or taking a cheap supplements that don't help. Field of Greens is made with real U.S. USDA organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants and assists digestive health with prebiotics and probiotics. It's like having a doctor and a nutrition tr- nutritionist in your kitchen, which, you know, let's face it, is just uncomfortable. Bottom line, this is real food. This is not extracts. You, if you take this, you will look and feel better. One scoop delivers a full serving of fruits and vegetables. Just a drop in a cup of water, stir it, and you're done. Go to Brickhouse andrew.com and get 15% off your first order just for trying it out with the promo code Andrew. That's brickhouseandrew.com, promo code 
Andrew. Well, you know, that was so interesting that I'm not even going to comment on it because I've got to think about it uh, before I uh, before I have anything to say. He was taking a very different tack, a very much a very realist tack about uh, aligning with Turkey, getting rid of. We always know those. These he's absolutely right about these moral panics about the strong men in the Middle East. I always say if there if Abraham Lincoln were in the Middle East, we'd support him, but he ain't there. We got to take the people, play the game that we're dealt. Personally, even when I was, even if you take my point of view, the Trump made a mistake pulling out because now the uh, now ISIS is going to uh, arise again. The mistake he made, if I'm right, is the same mistake the Never Trumpers made when they didn't vote for him, which is that he played the game he wanted to play instead of the game that's there. You got to play the game that's on the board. That's all you got. And I think that that's the the mistake Never Trumpers made when they played some fantasy principle game in their head instead of the game we had, which was an election between two people, one of whom was better than the other. You know, I'm going to bring Knowles on in a couple of minutes and talk about the uh, gay town hall on CNN, which was one of, you know, uh, somebody, uh, who was it in in the uh, Wall Street Journal today? Uh, it was um, Bobby Jindal wrote a an op-ed saying basically that Trump has won every Democrat debate and the Republicans should pay for finance the Democrat debates because they're the best thing about him. Because no matter how much you dislike Trump, uh, or whether you dislike Trump, you look at what the Democrats are actually proposing, breaking the bank, giving everybody stuff for free, taxing the wealthy, which is a disastrous thing to do. I know it's, it always sounds good. It sounds great to tell ta- we're going to have a wealth tax. We're going to have a wealth tax. But it's not like, you know, wealthy people don't sit around with like their money in the bathtub and bathe in it. I do that. But really wealthy people do not just sit around and, and bathe in their money. They actually invest it. They do things with it. And that's the money that creates the jobs, that creates the businesses, that creates the, the innovation. Uh, and if you take that money out, where does it go? It goes to Elizabeth Warren or it goes to Nancy Pelosi or it goes to AOC who haven't got the foggiest notion what to do with it. They're sitting around worrying AOC is crying because she can't have a baby because the world is going to end because of climate change. These people are out of their minds. They have no idea what to do with money. The money could be used for creating new new things that will make more money for other people. You know, cure, cures for cancer make money for people. That's a good problem profitable business to be in. New innovations like iPhones make money, and that's the money that they want to take away when they tax things. So now they have this this gay town hall. It just was a disaster. I mean, just to give you a good, I I don't, it was a while ago, so I don't want to play too much of it, but I do want to play this one minute when this woman, woman is a guy uh, who says he's a woman, who called himself uh, Blossom Brown, steals the microphone from somebody asking a scripted question and starts screaming that CNN is killing transgender people. tell you something. Black trans women are being killed in this country. And CNN, you have erased black trans women for the last time. Let me tell you something. Black trans women are dying. Our lives matter. I'm an extraordinary black trans woman. And I deserve to be here. My black trans sisters that are here. I am tired. I am so tired. I'm just sitting there. And it's not just my black trans women. It's my black trans brothers too. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm no, I'm gonna let you come here. No, no, I just want to ask you something. Come I'm, here. I'm Tell saying, me. Come here. I want you to talk. What's your name? I'm Blossom C. Brown. Blossom, let me ask Google you. Google me. Blossom. Please Google me. Blossom, thank you. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me, no, don't come on the stage. Don't okay, come on okay. the stage. Can, may I have the mic? Okay. May I have the mic? Blossom. So, 
So if, if I were a serious activist for the black community who actually cared about the black community, I would be asking why there's no town hall for the children in Chicago where people are being shot. I, I think it's hundreds of people have been shot this year. And this this person is talking about, I, I guess, the 20 uh, black trans people who have been killed. And we don't even know if they were killed in hate crimes. We don't know if that's the reason. This is the whole problem with identity politics is it focuses everything on the wrong things all the time. And I think of Ta-Nehisi Coates, this guy who gets all these awards and prizes for writing that we need to have reparations for black people. And I thought, does Ta-Nehisi Coates ever wonder why white people are giving him awards for that? Because that make, reparations makes white elites feel great, but doesn't do a damn thing to make black children more competitive with white elite children. Doesn't do a damn thing for that. It's not going to change that, that equation in any way, shape, or form. So for white elites, it's a win-win. You know, they get to feel guilty without doing any kind of penance. And it's not going to uh, hurt their, their kids in the job market when black kids get an actual education and are not being shot at and actually rise up and become competitive in the marketplace. So it's, it's like that's why they give Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, money because identity politics takes your attention away from the things that are real. And I just want to show you well, there's so much to show you, but I want to bring Knowles on to talk about it. But let's let's just uh, take one look at Pete Buttigieg apologizing for, for being gay, but not gay enough. I'm very mindful of the fact that my experience as a gay man, but as a white cisgender gay man, means that there are dimensions, for example, of what it's like to be a black trans woman that I do not personally understand. But I also think the diversity within the LGBTQ plus community is part of what we have to offer right now. Our community, uh, our country is so torn apart. We're so fragmented. And here we have the LGBTQ plus world that is everywhere. We are in every state, every community. Whether folks realize it or not, we're in every family. And that means we can also have the power to build bridges. So does this strike you? Like the Democrats have built bridges? Does it strike you that they're bringing people together? Or does it strike you that we're all on each other's, at each other's throats because of this identity politics? The thing about progressivism is it has to progress. So you're never woke enough. There's absolutely no reward for being woke because they're progressing. So you didn't progress. So three seconds later, whatever you're saying, you got to apologize for. A year ago, Pete Buttigieg was a minority. He was a poor, abused gay guy. And now he's got to apologize because he's cisgender. He's not gay enough. I mean, that is the way this always this progressivism always works. And it privileges the young. So it privileges the most ignorant, stupid, foolish people among us, the young who don't know anything, who haven't lived, who don't have the experience. They're always going to be more progressive. They're always going to have progressed beyond uh, beyond the older people. So the older people always have to listen to the young, which is always a mistake. <laughs> mistake. Finally, got to play one more, which is Beto O'Rourke, uh, who promised he's going to destroy religion wherever it does not kowtow to homosexuals. There can be no reward, no benefit, no tax break for anyone or inst- any institution, any organization in America that denies the full human rights and the full civil rights of every single one of us. And so as president, we're going to make that a priority and we are going to stop those who are infringing upon the human rights of our fellow Americans. When did this guy transform himself from this floppy haired buffoon into a fascist? Like he hates the Second Amendment. He's going to steal your guns. He hates the First Amendment. You can't practice your religion. Sorry, you can't practice your religion unless it's his religion. He's even Pete Buttigieg said he didn't think Beto O'Rourke had thought what he was saying through. 
Anyway, all I can tell you is, I, like, I don't care how people live. I truly don't. I don't care if you wear a dress. I do care if you tell me what pronoun I have to use. I do care if you tell me what I have to think, what I have to speak. See, this is the thing. Your freedom depends on my freedom. My freedom depends on yours. So go ahead, commit sodomy, but don't tell me I can't pray where I want to pray. Go ahead, tell, pretend you're a girl, but don't tell me I have to believe the pretense because that is utterly ridiculous. All right, I got to stop here. We got to talk about Zip Recruiter, uh, you know, I know some of you have been receiving uh, Knowles's face because he's been leaning into the Xerox machine. And every time you get these things in the mail, you think, why didn't they use ZipRecruiter when they were hiring? ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. It doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, kicks down their door, drags them in, brings them in, and forces them to work for you. I'm just making that up. That's a joke. Its technology does, however, identify people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. If you if you talk to people who have used ZipRecruiter, they will tell you that before it's tough. It's tough to find people. There's a gazillion people out there. You got to wade through all these uh, resumes. You got to wade through all these applications. With ZipRecruiter, you know you're talking to someone who at least might be qualified, and you're going to get someone to, someone good to work for you quickly. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address ziprecruiter.com slash daily wire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash daily wire ziprecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, all one word, ZipRecruiter. It is the smartest way to hire. We are about to talk. I know this is a thrill for you all. We're about to talk with the star of Another Kingdom, Michael Knowles. Another Kingdom Season 3, Episode 3 is out right now. It is one of the top episodes, and a new episode will drop every Monday for the duration. But subscribers get early access to them on Friday, so don't wait. Subscribe now. Also, subscribers exclusively can catch up on past seasons now at dailywire.com. So get ready for the final season of Another Kingdom today. All right, we're going to take a break. We got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come to dailywire.com where you can subscribe. Knowles. Those Xeroxes of my face were a gift. And all I needed was a simple thank you card. I know. I, I shouldn't have insulted you. I, I have mine pinned up with a little target on it. <laughs> yeah. the dark side. Happy Columbus Day. Happy, how dare you? How? I can't believe the bigotry on this show. Happy Columbus Day. Thank you very much. You know, Columbus, they don't have Columbus Day anymore because Columbus was a, a genocidal maniac. He massacred a lot of people. I mean, not really, but he did in, <laughs> in, the in imagination, leftist imagination. Which is where we're supposed to live. Yes, now. and so he did that in the leftist imagination in 1492, which is five years after the Aztecs slaughtered 80,000 people at the consecration of Tenochtitlan, <laughs> which is why we need to rename Columbus Day into Indigenous Peoples Day. That's your history I, I think, lesson. I think we should all celebrate Columbus Day by watching the Mel Gibson film <laughs> Apocalypto, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, things were great before we got here. Um, you want, did you watch every minute of it? I watched every single so, minute so of the you LG. you can't blame me for this. It was not me. This was not you. This was, <laughs> this came from on high, from the God King himself. Oh, it came from the God King so Well, then, you know, if it comes from the God The King. whole apparatus of, someone had to watch. I actually got messages from very prominent people who I, I won't say their names yeah. at very prominent networks who said, Michael, thank you for watching this. I cannot watch it. <laughs> I couldn't watch it. I, I kept tuning it in. What really got me, uh, you know, they bring on these little kids, these nine-year-old kids. And I noticed, by the way, that what they brought in, transgender nine-year-old kids, meaning a little girl who thought 
he was a boy. So he was yes. all dressed up as a boy. There's two of them. But she was a but, boy, right. but I noticed that they didn't bring any little boys in dressed up as girls because everybody would have gone like, ooh. Yes. Know, like, something about a little girl dressed as a boy, kind of like maybe it's a little Weimar easier. Germany or right. something like that. Who knows? You know? <laughs> Ellen wears a tuxedo to the Oscars. Exactly. Nobody, you know, is it, but, but the only thing about this, first of all, the picture of Elizabeth Warren welcoming that child with a look of horror deep in her eyes yes. that you could see. Yeah. And the and the other thing is a nine year old only knows what he's told. Yes. So what you're watching is child abuse. I mean it's not it's I'm I'm not saying there aren't transgender people. I'm not saying you know they shouldn't have a life and live the way they want. But a nine-year-old only knows what he's told. Yes. I mean the the there were two women. One woman, the very first question in the whole show said yeah. I'm the mother of a nine-year-old transgender child. She might as well have said, I'm a sufferer of Munchausen by proxy. And I (laughs) insist that the people in my care are ill so that I can get attention. I mean, she's on television saying this. It's a terrible thing. And, uh, you know, the Democrats, like, I want there to be two parties, but I don't want there to be a party that sanctions child abuse. This is the issue. So I I thought when the woman asked that question at the top of the town hall, I thought, okay, this, we're going right in for child abuse, but at least this is the most depraved it'll get. And then it didn't. Then they actually brought on this little kid on national television. The yeah. CNN producers should feel deep shame and yeah. make, make their peace thank, with their thank, thank God they didn't do it in public. They did it on CNN when we wanted to see it. But, that's true. But I mean, <laughs> those airports. It was all over the airport. Yeah, it was all over the airport. So they, they did all of this. Yeah. And, and to your point on, I want there to be two parties, but not one that sanctions child abuse on yeah. television. Th- this is it. it. Trump does things that I really don't like. I'll give you an example. He swears in public. He did yeah. it at the Louisiana rally yeah, at the same time. And yeah. it really bugs me. And yeah. I, I, but also, there are priorities and there are gradations of evil. Yeah. Swearing in public from the office of the president, I don't like it. It's, it really bothers me. Abusing children on national television is worse. And There's praising a, it. And, and praising, praising it. As if it were a wonderful thing. Exactly. And, it's, and it goes so much beyond that. I mean, so obviously there was the child abuse. That was upsetting. Then you had the big lie of the LGBTQ leftist movement exposed, which is we were all told it's live and let live. Yes. And it's not. It's Paul McCartney, live and let die. We're going to live our way. And if you don't go along with it every step of the way, and by the way, it changes every day, we're going to bankrupt your church. If we don't just bankrupt your church, Cory Booker said that he was going to force consequences even on non-tax exempt organizations yeah. that didn't go along with this. That was the lie of it all. And it, it, it requires such a devotion to fantasy because I'll give an example. I actually broke some news during the town hall, which is I made a joke. First mistake. I made a joke <laughs> yeah. and I said, I wonder if- Julio- Don't you know what time, what year it is? <laughs> yeah. <for crying> out. <laughs> 2019. <laughs> I made a joke. I said, is Julian Castro going to double down on his support of abortion rights for men? This is based on a misstatement that he had made in an earlier debate where he said he supports abortion not just for women, but for trans women. And he just obviously didn't understand what the phrase trans women means, which is it means biological men who can not conceive children to begin with in their, in their uteruses that they don't have. So obviously they can't have abortions. Julian Castro's national political director tweeted at me immediately and said, of course he does. He supports abortions for anybody who wants it, regardless of... <laughs> how they identify. I, I saw that tweet and I tweeted to you, I'm in favor of abortions for men. If only men have abortions, yes. I'll be a happy man. I am 100% pro-life <laughs> yeah. on a, or pro-choice rather on abortions, abortions for men. For yeah. men. <laughs> the good thing about it is there are no dead babies. There are so. none. I, it's <laughs> yeah. a big win. Yeah. Even, you know, there was, the, there was the pandering throughout the whole event. So yeah. both Cory Booker and Joe Biden, the first two candidates to go on stage, 
flirted with men. Cory Booker flirted with a guy. Well, that's, well, I won't, <laughs> well, I'm not I won't going make that there. joke. I'm yeah. not going there. And then Joe Biden comes on stage. He talks about, he said that he went into the Oval Office and thought Barack Obama was going to nail him, but instead he just kissed him. Again, not even going to go a little deeper into that. I, I have to tell you, cringeworthy is not, cringe is not the word. It was, right? he, he nearly kissed Anderson Cooper, and then he said that one of the guys asking a question walked out of Gentleman's Quarterly. So that pandering was one thing. Then Cory Booker is asked a question about the Pulse nightclub shooting by a Muslim terrorist who, during the shooting, right. swore allegiance to ISIS. And he said, white supremacy and right-wing terror is the biggest threat in America. <laughs> That's wonderful. It is wonderful. I, I, love the fact that if, I love the fact that if a Muslim kills you, mm-hmm. he's a lone wolf. But if a right-wing lunatic kills you, it's, it's the g- growing Nazi movement in America. By the way, this is, this is misunderstood, but even by their own, they always say since 9-11, all the terrorist attacks have been white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're kind of missing a big one, but okay. Yeah. But the, uh, even using that premise and even using their own logic, the, their own numbers from the Investigation Fund 2017 study says that white supremacist plots outnumber Islamist plots by a, f- a ratio of two to one. Mm. But white people outnumber Muslims by know, a ratio of 55 to 1. Yes, but they know people don't know math. That's so they don't do math you're, you're and they're not going to do that. So plus, even their own logic falls apart. Plus, by the way, the FBI, when it's not trying to spy on Donald Trump, actually has like reshaped itself into an anti-terrorist crime fighting force right. who has been fighting a lot of the Islamic terrorists. Exactly. Yeah, they made it harder on you know, to, to give some credit to Beto O'Rourke, yeah. the, the big takeaway from this is, is the honesty. The honesty in the fantasy. Mm. The social conservative argument against these progressive social policies, specifically on sex issues, has always been, we can't do this because then we're going to do that. And yeah. what the left says, they say, we don't want to do that. We yeah. just want to do this. Always. Yeah. And then Beto O'Rourke comes out and he goes, hell yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah. We're doing that right now. And if you don't do that, we're going to take away your church. You know, this it, it really is a problem for people like me who basically want everybody to live, who really do want to live and let live. Like, I don't care. Right. It's, what is it to me? You know, I mean, I'm an artist. Everybody I know is out of his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's like, you know, if the only thing if the only thing different about you is you happen to sleep with someone of the same sex, that to me is like a plus. You know, right. most of the guys I know <laughs> yeah. are like drugged up and hanging from the right. rafters, you know. Right. You're, so, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and look, I, I mean, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up with all these different kinds of people all around me all the time. I want them to be happy and have all the good American lives. But it's the left hijacks everything. It's, yeah. it's like with feminism, you know. It's like I, I certainly want every woman to make any choice for her life that she can sustain. That's what, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think they should make this choice and not that choice. Who cares what I think? You know, it's not, it's their lives. But the, the left takes everything over and they turn it into this destructive machine. What it shows you is this live and let lie or live and let live thing yeah. was always to conceal what, what this is all about. It has nothing to do with helping people who have different sexual preferences. It has nothing to do with helping people who yeah. have different sexual identities. It's all about power. It's always and, about and power. The way you know, it's on the progress point. It always changes. So we were told for a long time that uh, sexual preference was not a choice. You were born that way. Then Cynthia Nixon kind of blew that one up and Mm -hmm. she said she chose to be a lesbian. Then we heard you can choose your own sexual preference, but only when it's convenient for the left. Then we were told you don't choose your gender identity. Then we were told you do choose your gender identity. It reminds me of Orwell. Orwell It is is Orwell. History is, is, all the records are destroyed. All that exists is the eternal present in which the party is always right. That's exactly what it is. And I, you know, I'm telling you at this point, I I have all kinds of problems with Trump. You know that, but I would vote for him twice at this point because these people are a danger to society. Of course, because President Trump does something that you don't like in some far flung region of the world. Maybe that you don't like because President Trump 
puts out some crime bill that I don't like, for instance, right. I'm going to vote for these people. <laughs> insane. It would be insane. It would be so. There's no choice. We got to stop. What are you talking about on your show? So I'm obviously going to LOL at the LGBTQ <laughs> town hall, but we're also going to talk about, I'm going to put a little criticism toward Trump and then I'm going to talk about my favorite man in history. Not my favorite man, but he's in the top five. The Chris. The, the, the man. Yeah. yeah the, the man himself, <laughs> Christopher Columbus. Yeah. The guy without whom none of us would be here. And uh, he solved a lot of crimes. Maybe that was Columbo. It's <laughs> one of the, who wore the trench coat. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Noel. It's good to talk to you. All right. I just want to end with one thing. We've gotten a couple of comments from people. Uh, they put on, you know, it really helps us when you go on and listen to Another Kingdom and you give us a five-star review and you like it and you subscribe. That really is uh, helpful to us. Some people have gone on giving us bad reviews because there's a sex scene in the first episode uh, that is very important to the story. And I put it in there knowing that some people would object, but they leave a, a one-star review. And in Scalia, the great jurist, was once asked what a Catholic judge should be like. And he said what he should be like is an excellent judge. He shouldn't be making Catholic decisions. He should be making judge decisions. And that's something that people don't always understand. They don't understand that to be a Christian means to do everything excellently, whether you are peeling potatoes or praying or whatever you're doing, you are doing it in the name of God. I'm an artist. I am there to tell stories and stories are there to communicate the inner reality of life as I see it. It's a way of connecting my vision to you so that it expands your vision with new vision. I do not experience the world as a sexless place. I don't experience it uh, as a uh, altogether happy or clean or perfect place. Uh, so I relate it to you as I experience it. I'm trying to be the best artist I can be because that is what it means to be to be a Christian artist. So if, if you don't want to listen to it, please don't listen to it. I'd ask you if you do listen to it, write me a letter, but don't put up uh, bad reviews for us because that hurts us. But you know, do do whatever you're going to do. But just understand the one thing that's not true is when you say, oh, this wasn't necessary. Yes, it was, because I'm very good at what I do. I know when it's necessary or not to, to uh, achieve what's necessary and not necessary to achieve the art that I'm trying to achieve. I think this Another Kingdom thing is one of the best thing I've ever done. I think you are really missing out if you don't listen. But if you don't like uh, a little bit of realism in your characters, I can't help you. All right. I just wanted to let you know that. And I am traveling today. I'm going to go give a speech to the Acton Institute, a place I admire very much. I'm the, their keynote speaker this year, and I'm honored to be there. I think they're going to live stream it, so I hope you'll find it and watch. But I will be on tomorrow on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. I'll see you then. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Sayovitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Democrats endorse bankrupting churches, child abuse, and abortion rights for men at the CNN LGBT LMNOP Town Hall. We examine why Democrats are willing to risk 
100% of their electability, pandering to 4.5% of the population. Then President Trump gets blunt unimpeachment at a rally in Louisiana. AOC cries over global warming, literally cries, and the left tries to erase Christopher Columbus 527 years after the great man discovers America. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.